Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter podcast, where we discuss the lies, the myths, and the propaganda being promoted by the media and society. Let's all be informed, not uninformed, or even worse, misinformed. Here we go. Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter. I'm your host, Dave Swinford, and in this episode, we will explore the facts on how to misrepresent the truth and mislead and effectively lie with data. So I always start out with this comment about the motivations for doing this podcast, and it's really to educate the listeners and supply you with the information that you can use to counter the misinformation promoted by the media and the politicians, which are effectively the same thing since they slide back and forth between the media and political uh, service. And so some key principles I always try to remind myself of, and I like to always like to try to pass them along to you is lie a little, lie a lot. So when someone's willing to lie, misrepresent, or withhold key facts a little bit to get their way, they're usually willing to lie a lot to get the outcome they want. If you're willing to lie to tell a few small lies, then what's stopping them from telling a lot of lies or a really big lie? Follow the money. It's always about the money. You can replace the word money with power or greed. Now, this isn't a new principle, but sometimes it's easy to forget the underlying motivation for the media and the politicians is always power and money, which are pretty much the same thing. A new one, which I've added on, is you get what you reward, you get what you accept. So if you give people prizes for being criminals or liars, you're going to get more of the same. If you're willing to accept a little bit of criminal activity or lies or fill in the blank, then you can expect a lot of the same. And as always, I encourage you to share what you know is the truth. Call out the lies and the misconceptions when you see them. Educate your friends and family with the facts in as gentle and kind a way as you can because they may be spending way too much time watching mainstream media. So in a few easy steps, I'm going to teach you how to lie with data or better yet, how to understand when you're being lied to with data. Number one, present the data with a low sample size without any qualifying statements or context. So instead of stating something like murders are up from 10 to 20 or 1 to 2, you say they've doubled or they're up 100%. Percent's always always good when you use small sample sizes. Percents can be huge, right? They sound scarier that way. And instead of saying words like increased or decreased, you use words like surging and plummeting. Scary, scary words. So you select a small sample size to get to do this. So instead of saying, you could say something like COVID cases are up 2,700% over the last three days, when in reality, they may have been up zero. But because you've had bad data reporting practices or bad ways to combine and average data, you took those cases and added them onto one day. And instead of being nine, nine, nine on three days in a row, you had zero. 0.27, so a la 2,700%. Uh, an example of this is back in the early 90s when AIDS and HIV were running rampant. Um, we had a local 
article in the local paper that was titled something like, AIDS is ravaging North Alabama. Now, the article went on to say something like, you know, cases have doubled over the last year and they were growing at an alarming rate. So I didn't know anybody who had AIDS or HIV. So I started asking around my office, do you have anybody, you have any friends or family that have HIV or AIDS? You know anybody? No, no, nobody knew anybody. So I called the county health department and asked them. Well, it turns out there was something like four cases. So those cases has evidently gone from like two to four in a county with over 300,000 people. That really didn't sound like a lot to me. So I also called the local multiple sclerosis society since I was witnessing a co-worker who was struggling with his declining mobility with that disease. Well, it turns out there was something like 150 people in North Alabama that had multiple sclerosis, but of course there was no mention of that in the local paper, and they didn't say cases were surging or any of those kind of scary words. So number one, present the data with a low sample size without any kind of qualifying statements or context. Number two, use selective sampling to exclude inconvenient facts. So as I'm, as I'm recording this, it's the end of July. And you know, every year the story, you know the story's coming. Hottest July in the last 10 years, hottest August in the last 10 years, or the last 20 years, hottest whatever on record. Be scared. The context is be scared about global warming and climate change, right? Well, it turns out, well, first of all, it turns out it's always hot in the summer, but it also turns out that one of the hottest years on record was actually 1934. In the th- 1930s were extremely hot. That was the height of the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression. And unless you go back and you capture that data, you don't even have any 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 context at all. And of course, you know, that's a pretty short record for, for data, a hundred years or less than a hundred years. So that's sort of not a good way to sample data and present data. And also just because July was hot or August was hot, maybe May and June were not. So it's really not appropriate to talk about that and exclude that fact. So that was number two, use selective sampling to exclude inconvenient facts. Number three, you bend or group data in an uneven or illogical fashion to obfuscate and confuse. Now a great example of this is our current state of Alabama COVID statistics. So if you go on the health department's website, their dashboard, they have statistics by age group and they have age groups are zero to four, five to 17, 18 to 24, 25 to 49, 50 to 64 and 65 plus. So those are like five years, 13 years, 17 years, 25 years, 15 years, and then all the rest. Those age groups might make sense from a social aspect, as in 
preschoolers, school-age children, college, young adults, adults, middle-aged, senior citizens, that kind of thing. But the problem is it sort of obscures any analysis or conclusions that you can make from the data. In reality, if you go look at the census data for the state of Alabama, about every five-year span has about the same percentage of the population until you get to age 65, and then it starts falling off, of course. So about every five years, you have 6 to 6.5% of the population. So why wouldn't you present the data that way? Why wouldn't you just do even, even age categories and present the data that way? Well, what that would hide is the obvious fact that people in those young age groups, they're not the problem. What this hides is the obvious that those who are 65 plus, while only 17% of the state's population account for 78% of the deaths, and those under 50 are only 5% of the deaths. So it's an easy way to skew the analysis and present stuff that confuses people and obfuscates the, the real facts of the situation. So that was number three, Benner grouped the data in an uneven or illogical fashion to obfuscate and confuse. Number four, calculate and present metrics that are accurate but don't fully address the issue. In uh, the podcast about alternative energy sources, we talked about the levelized cost of energy. So that's a metric that they use when they're comparing solar to wind to nuclear to all these different energy sources. And that's a perfect example. So for instance, if you, care, if you compare the operating cost of a solar cell farm, which requires no fuel and very little maintenance to say a coal-fired electric plant or a nuclear plant or, or whatever, there's no fuel requirements to, to make that operate. You just have the sun and you get electricity out. So it's the clear winner, right? Solar, a solar farm would be the clear winner in any situation there, pretty much. But that metric alone does not factor in whether the electricity will be available when you need it. Yeah, it's cheaper, but it's not necessarily available when you need it. Ask Texas about that. Ask Texas about how well that works in the wintertime when they're depending on the windmills to make electricity and they froze up and they didn't have the natural gas-fired plants to make electricity. So, so again, this, low, this levelized cost of energy, it didn't fully address the issue. An easy, another closer-to-home example might be, let's say you wanted to compare the cost per mile for transportation to and from work over a four-year period. And let's say you're comparing a bicycle, a car, and a city bus. Well, you could buy a nice bicycle for, say, $1,000. So say you buy a $1,000 bicycle and you ride it to work, it's going to be cheaper than buying a $30,000 car and with gas and insurance and oil changes and tires, 
I mean, you still have to do tires on the bicycle, but you know, for four years, but they're, they're not as expensive. And you say, well, I can carry four people in the car. So you divide that cost by four. So you have passengers and you like, no, even dividing by four, the bicycle's going to win, right? So what about the bus? Well, if there's 250 work days in a year, then that's a thousand work days in four years. So unless you can ride back and forth for a dollar less per day on the bus, the bicycle's going to win. But clearly those are not equal comparisons. It doesn't consider time savings, convenience, whether you're carrying cargo, weather concerns, safety, health. So again, that's not a great comparison, but if you want to win an argument with data, you know, you can calculate again, number four, calculate and present metrics that are accurate, but don't fully address the issue. Number five, manipulate the presentation of the data with the scaling of axes and selective comparisons. So you select the scale on the X and Y axis that accentuates your argument and avoids any discussion of what about. So you can, you can make a nearly vertical line look flat by extending the X axis. And you can make an early flat line look vertical by crunching the x-axis relative to the, to the y. You can lob off data points. Maybe the years you don't want to show, again, selective sampling. So, for instance, if you want to talk about global warming and you don't want to, you don't want to present the fact that we've been coming out of a cold period for the last 350 years, you lob off the little ice age that started in the in the 1500s, because you don't want to talk about that. You just start the scale at 1960 or something. So if you, again, if you plot something like the however many degrees, the 0 0.2, 0 0.2, whatever it is, the degrees of global warming relative to zero, it's an inconsequential amount. But if you plot that and compare it to an average over the last 30 years, Voila, you see an upward trend. But when you look back all the way back to the medieval warm period and include the little ice age, you will see clearly just now the cycles and the fact that we're, we're coming out of this little ice age. So that was number five. Manipulate the presentation of the data with scaling of the axis and selective comparison. Number six. Combine data, combine and compare data that are clearly different. If you go back and you listen to my podcast where we talked about the, uh, uh, the assertion that women make 75% of what men do, you will, you will understand this argument. Um, so if you compare the pay rate, say, of a female child care worker with a male heavy equipment operator, well, you can clearly say that females are paid less than men. Maybe you extend that and include a bunch of occupations, and you still see a difference, right? But then maybe you calculate the difference, you know, you calculate the difference and you compare people who have similar occupations 
they work similar hours, they have similar responsibility level, you might find that they're pretty close. So there's, you know, again, there's an entire podcast I did on this, this example. Um, if you want to go check it out, but again, so you can't just lump all these things together because they're not the same. In this example, the females took different occupations than the males. And if you just average all the numbers up and look at the data, it's not, it's not going to make sense. Another example we talked a little bit about, you know, the COVID statistics. So we see clearly, if you look at the age groups and separate things out, and you don't compare it all together, you clearly see that it's a different disease for young people than elderly people. It's clearly different for people that have chronic conditions like diabetes or heart disease or obesity or pulmonary problems. Yet they're lumping all those people together and they're treating them the same. We never say old, sick, and fat people need to take precautions. And young, healthy, and fit people, you can feel free to roam about the country. Because these two groups are clearly not the same and their reactions to COVID are clearly not the same. So that was number six. That was number six. Combine and compare data that are clearly different. So clearly there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunities to mislead with data and to manipulate opinions with data. And I don't generally promote Wikipedia because I believe it's pretty biased and not entirely accurate. But there's a pretty good page on Wikipedia called The Misuse of Statistics. And they go through some of the things and some of the generalizations and things that are, are problems. They talk about discarding unfavorable observations. We talked a little bit about that. Ignoring important features, overgeneralizations, uh, false causality, uh, data manipulations. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot more you can get into if you're interested in this. And I mean, there's people who make a living lying with statistics and, and there is a, it is a difficult um, proposition to set up an experiment and generate data that is unbiased and that you, that you can draw a clear conclusion from. There's, I've, I mean, I've worked with people, that's their livelihood. That's what they do. Um, they, there's a thing called design of experiments where you, you set up an experiment to get the data to answer a question. And um, Ronald Fisher uh, wrote his book called Design of Experiments, a 1935 book. So there's, there's a lot of science behind this. And, of course, there's a, there is an interesting book that came out in 1954 uh, called How to Lie with Statistics. And it was written by Daryl Duff. And uh, I think you can still buy it on on, uh, on Amazon. And it's a pretty famous book. A couple themes of it is, you may have heard this, correlation does not imply causation. So just because two things correlate doesn't mean they're even linked together at all. You know, there's a... There's a uh, meme that's out there that shows the use of uh, 
of Internet Explorer, and then it had murders in New York City, and that showed something like they correlated. And clearly those things have nothing to do with each other, but if you put those two things together and you didn't like think about it just for a split second, you're like, oh my goodness, murders have something to do with Internet Explorer. And of course that's not true. So again, um, biggest thing, biggest takeaway is when you see data presented, when you hear statistics talked about or presented, you have to think about, is it real? What's the underlying thing here? What's the, what is the person promoting this trying to tell me? What are they trying to promote? Because there's always an agenda behind everything, everything. So in conclusion, if you want a lot of data, now you know how to do it. Or at least now that you're a little bit better informed, you can understand how lies are told with data. You can maybe understand when the media is lying to you, the politicians are lying to you, and uh, you'll see through those lies. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the Facts for What Matter podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to catch our future episodes.